Welcome to the Brown County Hour. Coming to you from the legendary hills of Brown, where the plum purple haze, the one nature herself drapes over the hills and hollers, inspires local characters, artists, and nature lovers. It's as though the hills themselves conspire to create a beauty and culture in the heart of Indiana. Sit for a spell and hear the music. Tall tales. True stories. And current goings on. Brought to you by folks who still know how to sit by a fire in winter. And swim buck naked in summer. Welcome to episode 67 of the Brown County Hour. This is Carrie Ray. And Dave Seastrom, along with the rest of the crew. This is a special Fun Drive edition of the show, and we'll be hearing some musical pieces from the Fingerstyle Guitar Contest that was held this past July at the Playhouse in Nashville. In segment one, we present a conversation with Kara Bernard, who will share information about the Fingerstyle Guitar Contest that was held at the Brown County Playhouse this past July. We'll also listen to the second place winner, Bill Russell, as he performs Secret Agent Man. everybody this is Chuck Wills with the Brown County Hour and I am at Weed Patch Music Company with Kara Barnard. Hi Kara. Hey Chuck how are you? I'm great thanks for having us in today. Thank you. Yeah we wanted to uh, get together and talk about the renaissance of Weed Patch Music along with all the great musical things that are going on in the community and it's good to see you back at the helm and look around and see all these great instruments on the walls. Yeah, thank you. Uh, it's been a, a real labor of love, and I'm just glad to be back in here and glad to see the store thriving again. So when I look around, I see a lot of acoustic instruments. Mm-hmm. In fact, all acoustic instruments, everything from ukuleles to dulcimers to hand drums and guitars. And why don't you kind of tell me a little bit about what you're catering to here at Weed Patch? Well, it's, a, it's an interesting dilemma, actually. Being in a tourist town, You have a lot of folks that come visit us that have no intention of coming here and purchasing an instrument. And those are the folks uh, that are usually not musicians that walk through our door. And uh, the co-owner, Kristen Thompson, and I, we try to make them musicians before they leave the room. Um, We can convince them to sit down in the chair for about five minutes. We can start showing them chords. And basically, it's our job to prove to them that they can actually make music. Uh, So we've got what we call very affordable beginner instruments for folks like that. And then we leap way up to the handmade stuff, which we focus on all local builders. We've got a Volbrick guitar, for example, right now. We've got Thomas Roger guitars. We've got uh, Roy Shea. I could go on and on and list all the builders around here. Bruce Taggart. Uh, in, the, in the day of the diminishing brick-and-mortar uh, businesses, it's getting uh, uh, harder and harder to find a place that you can actually walk in and sit down and touch an instrument before you buy it. Uh, that's one of our main objectives, is to, to keep the doors open so that people can come in and try these instruments out. 
Well, and you mentioned uh, Ron Volbrecht guitar. I know that he's really well known, and he's made instruments for everybody from John Mellencamp to Jimmy Reiser. Yeah, exactly, and and you're not going to be able to put your hands on one of his guitars very often. So Weed Patch is not only supporting the beginning musician and certainly the local scene, but you're really supporting the maker movement, if you want to call it that, with all of these handmade instruments, all of these local luthiers that are not mass producing and giving them an outlet for people to see their craft. Exactly. From the get-go, I've wanted this to feel like a home for builders, a place where they can come and, and meet each other and can compare tone woods and... My heart says it's needed. There are fewer and fewer people learning how to build musical instruments, and if there's anything I can do to encourage new builders and to keep those that are already building going, um, well, then that's that's exactly what I'm going to do. Well, and as a musician myself, I know that getting your hands on uh, an instrument that has been handcrafted is really something special. Yeah, exactly. And you also mentioned Tom Roger. That's a name I'm familiar with from the Indiana State Guitar Festival. That's right. Thomas is uh, in Bloomington, Indiana, and he's building his, you know, I think his main thing is guitars, but he's been producing some ukuleles that, quite honestly, uh, we can only have them in for about a week before they sell. He just does incredible work, and uh, he uh, is currently building the winning guitar every year for the Indiana State Fingerstyle Guitar Competition. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that event? Well, I I began competing many years ago, probably about 25 years ago, uh, and I would go out to Winfield, Kansas to the International Festival and compete, always thinking that it would be wonderful if we could have something like that here in Brown County at some point. When I opened Weed Patch Music and started uh, becoming an agent, I guess, for guitar builders, I thought, well, this is this would be another good way to uh, bring attention to my guitar builders. And then at about that same time, uh, we got our hands on the Brown County Playhouse, and we were all looking for ways to fill it up. So it was a, the perfect storm. I, I wanted to promote a local guitar builder. We wanted to fill the Playhouse. I had my store going, and uh, and then this guy named Chuck Wills comes into my <laughs> life, and uh, I realized that I finally had uh, the, the partner that I could do this with. It's been a pleasure being a co-producer of the event with you, and it, it's been really good to see so many amazing musicians from all over the world descend on Brown County, a place that most of them had never heard of before, and leave thinking, what a great place, and look forward to coming back. Oh, exactly. And and again, with lots of smiles on their faces. In fact, from Japan this year was Hikaru. He came in and took third place. And he just recently produced a song called Nashville. It was in thanks to his great experience in Nashville, Tennessee and Nashville, Indiana. Oh, wonderful. I, I wasn't aware of that. He pretty much stole our hearts. It was great meeting him and so cool to see a young man come to a town thinking that we had taxi service and uh, that it was he was just going to be able to you know get around with taxis and whatnot. How courageous. Well, just, and the fact that the community surrounded him to give him taxi service. Well, you know, it, it so. was all, all, someone just had to say one thing and yeah. he was taken care of all weekend. Yeah. That's yeah. what it's all about, really. Yeah. So with Guitar Festival, we bring 20 or 30 phenomenal acoustic guitarists from around the world to Little Brown County. And then hundreds of acoustic guitar fans 
descend as the audience to listen to the uh, truly amazing music. And along with the music, I think the camaraderie, the friendships, the fun, it's really become something, well, I know it's special for us because we created it, but I think it's special for the contestants as well as the audience that seems to be coming back year after year. Yeah, it's definitely growing. It's the highlight of my year. I think that you and I both work all year round. It's easily a part-time job. Uh, and then those three days that it takes place go by really fast. Yeah, in a blur. We'll be featuring music from several of the folks that played this year, and you'll get to get a glimpse of the kind of talent that comes across the stage at uh, both Brown County Inn and the Brown County Playhouse. So, Kara, thanks for being with us today and talking about Weed Patch and the Guitar Festival, and we appreciate you being with us. Thank you, Chuck. our second place, our runner-up finisher, a veteran of our festival, Bill Russell from Washington, Michigan.
In this segment, we'll present a conversation with Vivian Wolf, who is a member of Peaceful Valley and Brown County Preservation, as she discusses the cemetery restoration work that she's involved with. And Hikaru Komatsu, who took third place in the Fingerstyle Guitar Contest, will perform his original tune, My Guitar Is My Sweetheart. It's our pleasure to introduce Vivian Wolf, who is the head of the Brown County Preservation Society, and you work with uh, cemetery restoration. The committee is actually a cemetery committee under the umbrella for Peaceful Valley Heritage um, Preservation Society, Inc., which is a nonprofit that's done several projects here in Brown County. And so the cemeteries has been one of ours that we've been working on a little over a year. All right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I remember you came in ab- about a year ago when this all got started, and you were new to this project. And now I see this wonderful uh, binder full of uh, restored headstones and different cemeteries that you guys have been working on. So you guys have been busy. We have. We've restored 25 at Sprinica and a few in Calvin. And then the majority of them have been the Henry Cross stones down in Van Buren Township. And, of course, we've had a recent tragedy with the uh, Stonehead, the Henry Cross piece that was vandalized. Well, I think the time is really good now to make the community aware of Henry Cross and his works in the county because when I first saw them, a member of our cemetery group and uh, Peaceful Valley, our historian, Steve Arnold, took me down, and I didn't know who Henry Cross was. So he took me into these little cemeteries on roads I'd never been on, and I saw these beautiful carved tombstones, and many of them were broken and in pieces and in the dirt, and it was really sad. And so that kind of started it. Val Edmonds, who lives in Van Buren Township, was working on correcting and getting a lot of the information online in regards to the veterans' tombstones in the county. And then Rhonda Dunn was here as the archivist for the History Center. And Dorothy Bobcock was part of the group with Peaceful Valley, and she kind of put us all together, and Greg Wright. So that's kind of our driving force that we started with. And then we brought in, then a couple of the township trustees became interested in our work. Actually, I applied for a grant with the Brown County Community Foundation. Wonderful people. And had no idea that I would get anything. When I went for the interview, before they made their decision, I think there was two on that committee that had heard of Henry Cross. So I left there and I thought, well, I may not get any money, but at least there's a few more people that know who Henry Cross is. Well, I think it's arguable that Henry Cross is the first noted artist in Brown County. I would say so, because his work is tremendous. And um, the Brown County uh, Art Gallery just had John Kay, the professor from IU, who actually grew up in Brown County, give a talk about him last Sunday. And then they had Casey Winningham, a carver from Bloomington, give a demonstration. So it's a good time to talk about Henry Cross. And we have repaired over 50 tombstones in a year. Of, Of his work? Of his work. 
And, you know, a lot of it may have been an apprentice under him. It may be something he started and somebody else worked on it as well, according to John Kay. But there's no way of knowing. But the credit is given that there's significant uh, representation in the way the letters tilt or the carving or the latching in the background of uh, his work that indicates that it's Henry Cross. So you've restored 50. How many more are there? That's all that I know of, and it's a few over 50. Brown County has 100 cemeteries, and some of them may be two rocks that indicate a grave. Some of them are in the woods. We put together an assessment sheet, and we have assessed 90% of those, which would be 90 uh, cemeteries, in the county. We've actually walked on these cemeteries and assessed the condition of the tombstones and the cemetery grounds. Do you have a favorite? Um, I do. I do have a favorite and it's in the woods. And when I went there, it was in the spring and the sun was shining and the daffodils were blooming and it's called the Watson Cemetery. Judge Watson is buried there and it's in Hamblin Township just north of the Farmhouse Cafe. His tombstone is broken in two and I'm working at getting the money, the funds, to have it repaired. So it takes about $350 per tombstone. Now, are you guys using like an epoxy or something like no that? No epoxy, no chemicals, water. Okay, water. And we hire Stonehugger Incorporated, uh, which is owned by Helen Wildermuth, who lives actually in the county. And she has her crew come. They take the, if it's a monument, it comes in pieces. A tombstone is one but they have a base, and she takes them all apart and lays them on the ground, and she digs a hole in the ground, a certain size, and she puts pea gravel there, and they start cleaning them, and then putting them back together. But they're beautiful when she's done, and then... Well, the photographs were absolutely beautiful. The before and after are stunning. Well, there is a project to um, commemorate Henry Cross at Stone Crossing. Um, yes. Are you part of that? No, that was actually between uh, the Brown County uh, Art Gallery and the owners of uh, Henry Cross's farm. And they got the slab out, and then they started But it's raving. from his quarry. It's from his quarry. And um, then they've hired Casey to do the actual carving using the exact methods that Henry Cross used. Is there a website or a Facebook page or some way that people can get a hold of you? We are um, Peaceful Valley Heritage. We have our own Facebook page and web page. Uh, it's at peacefulvalleyheritage.com. And then the cemetery committee is BC Cemetery Preservation, and they have a Facebook page. Well, thank you for all of your hard work, and thank you for coming in and sharing your story. We appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you for the opportunity. It is my absolute pleasure to introduce you to Hikaru Komatsu, our third place winner for today. Nice to meet you. Uh, I'm happy, I'm so happy to be here. And I play that song called My Guitar is My Sweetheart. Thank you. 
In our third segment, we'll listen to timely reflections on violence from Rick Fedick. Jeff Tryon shares his essay about going to the movies in Brown County, and we'll hear Bill Russell perform some classical music. If anyone can be at peace in these troubled and confusing times, well, I guess they must know themselves pretty well. We have been duped, tricked, and hypnotized. Way, way back in Roman times, large numbers of the population would gather together to watch people get killed. It was sort of a spectator sport. The Romans would take people from areas they had conquered and put them in an arena to face and fight each other to the death or to combat hungry and angry lions. These people were enemies of the state, and thus it was considered entertaining and pleasurable to watch them fall to their death. Not so long ago in America, certain Negroes, for instance, escaped slaves, and many outlaws were hung by the neck until dead. 
It was again a spectacle and considered interesting and entertaining to watch unruly people brought to their demise. As vaudeville developed and morphed into early TV, forms of violence followed closely. A slap in the face, a poke in the eye, an anvil falling on a coyote, many forms of violence and turmoil were presented as entertainment, with an emphasis on funny. Current TV and movies continue this evolution. I've heard people say, as I get older, I'm done with drama. I want to live a peaceful life. But you wouldn't know it by what shows the advertisers put their money behind. They know what audiences are drawn to. When I'm flipping channels, I sort of have a rule. If there's blood, a smoking gun, people all stressed out, or even tense and suspenseful background music, if anything of that nature appears within 15 seconds, I keep flipping. Afternoon TV, the soap operas where few people are happy, the local news, why do I, here in Brown County, have to hear about every shooting that happens in Indianapolis? CSI, why do we have to have a show about crime investigation for each major city in the country? We have been conditioned to consume this as entertainment. We're just like lemmings, and we accept this entertainment as a stimulus. The who, what, where, when, and why keeps us in suspense, and we fall right into it. The drama, and the bigger the blood splat, the better the movie. And along with all that comes the laugh track. The incessant laugh track after every line to subliminally train us to laugh. And now the latest, a drum beat or bass line that enhances the news narrative. It's often as loud or slightly louder than the vocals, and it's just a slight bit faster than a heartbeat so as to accentuate excitement and importance. All of this has led us further and further into the notion of injury, violence, and drama as entertaining or humorous. America's Funniest Home Videos, most of those people are inches away from serious injury, not to mention stupidity. It's all presented as entertainment, and we all accept it. We've become conditioned to it and are numb to how it affects us. Remember Ma and Paul Kettle, Andy Griffith, Red Skelton, and Carol Burnett? Instead of being lemmings and following over the violent and drama cliff, my encouragement is to make lemonade. Let's be more selective in what we expose ourselves to. The world could use a boost of positivity. Make more constructive choices and let it filter through you and then pass it on. This is My Brown County with Jeff Tryon. The more I thought about what really makes Brown County Brown County, the more I began to realize how we each have our own particular Brown County. In a way, Brown County is what we each bring to it, what we find there for our own what we each make of it. No one else sees it probably in the same exact way that I do. That's what makes it my Brown County. My wife and I went down to the Brown County Playhouse last weekend to see the film Columbus, which of course features the city of Columbus, Indiana prominently. It is a little weird to watch a movie where you're familiar with so many of the backgrounds and the scenery, but I was reminded of what a nice experience it is to take in a movie in Nashville. The 68-year-old venue has a 
23-foot-wide screen, modern digital projection, and Dolby surround sound, comfortable upholstered chairs. You can not only munch on some reasonably priced popcorn, you can actually enjoy a beer or a glass of wine while you watch the movie. And it's cheap. Admission is $5 per person, $4 for children and students. But this isn't the first time the magic of the silver screen has come to Nashville. Cecil David was the kind of guy who was always on the cutting edge of technology about a hundred years ago. He was an early radio buff who owned the first radio in town and sold the first early radios here. He was the town's first recognized auto mechanic as early as 1911, the first person in the county to own a Ford automobile in 1913, and a year later, the first automobile dealer. And around 1914, he became the first to make available to the local public a newfangled technology he had become fascinated with, silent movies. David set up the first movie theater in the old Telephone Exchange building and later moved it to the Ford garage before finally building the Melodian Hall, a couple of doors down from the old Star Store on West Main Street, which operated throughout the silent picture era. There, folks saw the stars of the day. Larry Seaman in Horseshoes, a real comedy. The American Venus with Esther Ralston, Ford Sterling, and Douglas Fairbanks Jr. in Man of the Forest, a Zane Grey epic. A thrilling tale of adventure in the mountain regions of the far west, gripping love interwoven with fast-paced action. Film goers of that day might also have enjoyed documentaries such as Who Won the Title? Miss America at the Atlantic City Bathing Beauty Contest, with Lawrence and Douglas Fairbanks Jr. appearing as King Neptune and his son Triton. Admission was 25 cents for adults and 15 cents for children. The theater had a player piano which was powered by the feet of youngsters eager for a soundtrack. The roles of music would often come with the films and not be appropriate so that a love scene might be accompanied by a spirited Sousa march. In the Some Things Never Change department, locals complained in the newspaper about the youngsters who would gather and loiter in front of the melodeon to listen to the player piano and to socialize. The melodeon hall eventually went the way of the old town pump. The Brown County Playhouse opened in 1949 and was operated by Indiana University Theater Department until they gifted it to the community in 2011. In the mid to late 1950s, movies were shown in the courtroom at the courthouse, with youngsters lining up to pay their quarter, climb the wrought iron outside steps, and see old-time movie serials like Ace Drummond Detective, which combined the futuristic aura of Flash Gordon with the eerie mystery of Baron Frankenstein's castle laboratory. Now, Hollywood movies have returned to Nashville, along with the plays, musicals, and live concerts that are part of Brown County Playhouse's annual fair. This is a wonderful community asset which everyone should endeavor to support.
our final segment, Dave Seastrom offers several good reasons to contribute to WFHB. And we'll close the show with the Fingerstyle Guitar Contest winner, Lance Allen, as he performs Wonderwall. This coming January, WFHB will be celebrating 25 years on the air. And I know a lot of us have been listening since the days when the shows were broadcast from Radio Ridge. This is quite an accomplishment, but we're not resting on our laurels. WFHB has continued to grow and expand as new listeners are being constantly introduced to our wide range of programs. The Brown County Hour is an excellent example of the outreach that only community radio can provide. We're able to be local because we are local. This is our community, and because we live here, we know the people and their stories. We connect our listeners with local musicians, storytellers, essayists, community leaders, and knowledgeable forest activists. Your stories are our stories, and this is what the Brown County Hour is all about. We don't exist in a vacuum. We are part of a much bigger family known as WFHB. It's not an exaggeration to say that without WFHB, the Brown County Hour wouldn't be on the air. And that's true for all of the shows we enjoy listening to. I'm remembering what it was like to tune into the station before Brown County was able to raise the funds for the translator that brings in 100.7 FM. Reception was spotty at best, and there were certain places in my yard that I couldn't receive a signal. I'd be jamming out, listening to some hot Zydeco, while working in the garden and bend down to pick some squash or beans, and I would lose the signal. Suddenly, my earbuds were filled with some unwanted formula pop music, and I would scramble to my feet to get back to something worth listening to. Fortunately, because we live on a ridge, the tuner in our house and in my workshop could usually receive the 91.3. So for the most part, we were able to stay connected. But this wasn't true for most of the people in our area. Things improved dramatically when the 100.7 FM signal came to Brown County, and now we can listen when we're in our cars, driving through hill country, or anywhere in my garden. Improvements like this came about because people cared enough to donate their dollars to make this happen. 25 years is a long time to be on the air, and over the years we've come to know many radio personalities, some of whom are no longer with us. We are a family, and when someone passes or retires, we feel the loss, and I believe this connection makes us special. It takes about 200 volunteers to produce the 24-7 news and music cycle we're accustomed to hearing, and the familiar voices and the perspective they bring to each of their shows is unique to them. WFHB makes a point of playing music from many different genres, and each of the DJs who host these shows bring their interest and expertise to the table. This offers a depth and understanding to the music you love, which is hard to find anywhere else. There's no one dictating a play schedule, and we're not supporting a corporate agenda that pushes certain artists. Our DJs play the music they love and know about because it means something to them. But, having said that, we also make room for new music that comes into the station every day. This, combined with our strong support of local musicians, makes us notably different from anything else you can hear on the radio. What we have is something unique, and we are open to anyone who would like to participate. 
If you have an interest in producing a news or music show, there's a new volunteer orientation meeting on the first Wednesday of each month at 6.30 p.m. You can go to our website or Facebook page for more information. If you agree that WFHB is something special, now is the time to help support the news, music, and information shows you've come to enjoy and rely on. Twice a year, we ask for your financial support. Some of you give monthly through automatic withdrawal, and that helps keep us going during the rest of the year. But another great way to help is to call in a pledge and show your support by donating some of your hard-earned dollars. In these uncertain times, WFHB is a rock that supports truth and accuracy in our news reports and lifts our hearts with excellent music programs. We advocate for mutual understanding and share the philosophy that we're all in this together. Please take a few minutes to share your generosity and donate to WFHB. With your help, we can keep volunteer-powered community radio strong and vibrant into the future. Thank you for your consideration. This is Dave Seastrom. See you next time. So we're going to move right along to our grand prize first place contestant today. I would like to welcome Lance Allen to the stage. Thank you, Karen. So I'm going to play for you Wonderwall. Thank you. 
Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to episode 67 of the Brown County Hour, recorded in our studio at the History Center here in downtown Nashville. And Except During Fun Drive is brought to you the first Sunday of every month at 9 a.m. and our new time the following Wednesday at 5.30 p.m. The Brown County Hour is brought to you by a diverse group of folks who believe, now more than ever, that the world is for everyone. This show was produced by Chuck Wills, Pam Rader, Rick Fettig, Vera Grubbs, Carrie Ray, and Dave Seastrom. We would also like to thank Slats Klug for our theme music. You have been listening to the Brown County Hour, coming to you from deep in the woods of Brown County, Indiana. Celebrating the arts, culture, and nature that make this such a unique community. Visit us online at browncountyhour.com. The Brown County Hour is a production of WFHB. Volunteer-powered, listener-supported community radio for South Central Indiana. Take me back, back to my home, Brown County home.